I'm Cindy Boxer, and you are listening to the Fiber Artist Podcast, where we chat with artists, makers, and creatives who work with fiber, get to know their stories, how they came upon their fiber practice, and more about the person behind the work. Well, hello there, my passionate and creative fiber art loving friends. It's December. And I do not know how this happened. We just had our first snowfall here in Northwest New Jersey, about 15 inches, no big deal. Well, the kids have had three snow days in a row. Apparently half the town is still out of power, including the schools. I swear if this goes on all winter, we're gonna have to seriously consider moving south. I mean, enough is enough. So I guess that means uh, people out in Texas, look out for us. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, my guest today is the incredible Jen Duffin of Nova Mercury. You might recognize her pieces by their bold, bright, and colorful quality. Her Instagram feed is a true visual treat, so make sure to give her a follow on Instagram at Nova Mercury. And real quick, if you're new around here, I've got a shop full of macrame and weaving fibers, our original cloud and oval looms, ethically sourced fair trade silk and chiffon ribbons. And if you're a maker who loves to work with fiber, check out naromastudio.com and get 15% off your next order with the code podcast. And for lots of inspo, follow me on Instagram at naromastudio. Okay, guys, I think that's it for now. Here is the wonderful and talented Jen Duffin. Hi. Hi. (laughs) How are you? It's so nice to finally connect. We've been planning this for months, I think, at this point. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Busy bees. I know. What's been going on with you? Are you doing a lot of fiber work right now, or is it like family stuff? What's going on? Always. It's like always a juggle. Yeah. Between the two. Well, it's November, so trying to get organized for the holidays. Oh, for sure. And I always feel like I'm behind no matter how much I plan ahead. Yeah. What do you trying do? To- Are you doing markets right now or what's going on? I don't do markets. Okay, Just yeah. And yeah. Uh, so like commission work? Um- yeah, I'm finishing up some custom work and trying to just stock some stuff in my store too, so that there's things for people to buy if they would Yeah. Like. Actually, yeah. I noticed today, I was browsing through your Etsy today and I was like, oh my God, she has so much good work up. And I'm surprised yeah. because I feel like you also have the kind of work that it gets snatched up pretty quickly. Like once you announce that you've posted it and stuff. <laughs> it does sometimes for sure. It's uh, yeah, I'm trying to stock up a bit right now so that I have stuff in the store and um, fiber, fiber packs and stuff have been selling pretty quickly, yeah. but I have some you yeah yeah awesome oh my gosh well this is gonna come out probably at a good time um well before the holidays so that people can be reminded that you have these kinds of things in your oh, shop no way. And, That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> well yeah I um I've been really slacking with my uh with my interviews and so I mean as soon as this one's done and edited we're getting it up as soon as possible so oh that's exciting <laughs> yeah yeah you must be busy too I am um I mean I'm honestly like a little stressed out right now because I'm my st- my store is like empty-ish right now and it's the holidays and I just I planned it so poorly this year with p- the production schedule of the rope and everything that like I am now I've learned a lot <laughs> uh, in terms of 
when I need to be ordering and how long it's going to take because it's now taking a lot longer than it used to. So, because um, my orders are bigger, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, so I'm expecting a shipment like tomorrow. But there's this all this stuff happening in customs, and they don't have the document they're supposed to have, and like I, I don't know. I'm like, oh my god, what is going on? That's I, stressful. It's super stressful, but whatever. I think it, everything's going to be up by the weekend. So. It'll come through. You just yeah. have to trust it'll happen. Yeah, totally. And it's one it's of those. Stressful. It's totally, and it's one of those things that like it. It'll stress me out for two weeks, even though what I have to arrange for it and everything is like. I really only need to be stressing like forty eight hours in advance. But I'm like, yeah, you know, it's the full. It's the same thing. I I do this with workshops too. Like when they're coming up, I stress myself out for two weeks, even though I have like a day of prep. You know, <laughs> right? But it's hard to like. You must find that that it's like you do all your planning and everything, but you like you have kids and you have other things going on too. So it's like right. things always t- just take longer than you think they're going to, and. Every year I'm always like, I'm going to plan, I'm going to prepare, I'm prepared. And then just stuff happens and it's never, it never goes the way I, I hope. So I you know. just kind of have to trust and hope that it, <laughs> it happens and comes through. I'm sure it'll work out. That's true. And yeah, so speaking of kids, it's like, especially because it's the fall, they're all getting sick and all this unexpected, yeah. like being home with you when you thought you were going to be working and everything. You have, uh, how many kids do you have? Two. You've got two. Bo- yeah. uh, both boys or am I making that up? No, I have an eight-year-old, Milo, and Nova is four. Okay. Oh, so, Nova. Yeah. <laughs> Cute. Is that um, how you named the business? Yeah, yeah. It's oh, named yeah. after after my, my youngest kid. It's funny because so many people think that it's my name. So mm-hmm. when they message me or email, they're like, hi, Nova, blah, oh, blah, totally. blah. I'm like, and, but I know recently I've I've had a couple situations come up that have made me rethink maybe I should change my business name to just my name. Oh but, yeah, I know that's always one of those things to consider, right? Like I don't I love your I love your business name though. I, I like feel it like too. and it's yeah. perfect. I feel like it's so perfect for your work because oh, it's like nice. start like celest it's kind of like celestial and everything and I feel like your work totally resonates that with that kind of idea. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Cindy. Yeah. yeah, it's my daughter's name is Nova Mercury. Okay. Oh, that's and her middle name too. Name. Oh my God, I love yeah, it. That's her. That's her first name and her middle name. So oh, okay. she, uh, we always loved the name Nova, but then she was born during a, um, during the September harvest moon, but it was also a lunar eclipse. Oh wow! Like at the the moment she was born. <gasps> so Nova just fit because it's sort of a you know, it just, it worked. And then Mercury fit too. So it was this kind of celestial name, but she's actually named after Freddie Mercury, who's one of my all time favorite entertainers. So yeah, so that's who she's named for, but that's where the name comes from. That is the best. Oh my God. And that you're, (laughs) and that your um, husband and partner like is on board with that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I it's a little bit of an out there name, but I we both really like it, no, and it I totally suits her love it. too. So. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Do you feel her? Hey. Is her does her personality kind of go along with her name? Yeah, totally. She's yeah. a little out there. <laughs> so funny. I have a friend who named her son her the his middle name is Rebel, and she's like, oh fuck, I so I I kind of regret naming him that because he's like to a T. 
like just constantly like fighting her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, what did you expect? <laughs> you know. got to live up to it now. Seriously, yeah, totally. that's a great name though. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so let's let's back up because you know I like to get into people's origin stories and I'd love to just hear yes. sort of like how you got into your fiber practice. What were you like as a kid? You're um, You're in Canada, right? You're in Montreal? Or just outside yep. of? Are you right in the city? I'm right in the city. Oh, that's yep. so awesome. Yeah. Yep. But I did not grow up here. Okay. But we live in Montreal, yes. Okay. And yep. where where did you grow up? Well, I will go way back. <laughs> so my um, – as a kid, well, my, my growing up story is a little unconventional. Maybe my dad was in the Air Force. Oh. So I'm a military brat. So I was – born in Ontario, in uh, Petawawa, Ontario, but I moved a lot. I moved like every three to four years, we moved to a different city. So I grew up all over Canada. I've lived in like lots of different provinces. I've lived in Europe for a few years. So my dad was stationed all over. So yeah. And then um, I moved to Montreal when I was in my early 20s. So I've lived here for like 18 years now, which is the longest I've lived anywhere. And it feels like home, but I I didn't grow up here. I didn't really grow up anywhere. <laughs> exactly. I would I would think that it's hard to find to call any one place home when you've had to move around that much. Yeah, no, I totally call Montreal home now. Like this feels like my home and I've lived here for a long time and yeah. we have a community here and everything. But yeah, so I grew up moving around a lot as a kid. Um was there yeah, a, as- was there a particular uh country or town that you really really loved while you were there? That's a Good question. Or hate it. I mean, <laughs> living in um, living in Europe was a cool experience. How I lived there you? when I was I was a teenager when I lived there, so it was a, a bit of um. I always say it was like a double edged sword because it was such a cool experience to live there, but I don't feel like I fully appreciated it either because of the age I was. Because I was like obviously really concerned with like hanging out with my friends and yeah. stuff like that and not so much as like enriching cultural experiences but right. where, we, lived where in Ger- oh, we were uh, on a military base in Germany okay yeah so I lived in Germany but obviously when you're in Europe it's so easy to to travel because everything is close together right. so school trips every year were to a different destination and I did a lot of traveling with my family so that was you know made quite an impression on me that I got to see a lot of Europe as a younger person, which was exciting and do a lot of traveling at right. a young age. And this is Germany. That was probably my favorite place I lived. Is this Germany in the 90s? Early 90s. Yeah. It wow. was like 90 to 93. Oh, wow. I feel like that yeah. was like a really, um, I mean, just a really important and sort of poignant time to be there, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it was, we moved there the year after the Berlin Wall came down, which uh, was 89, I think. And we were also, my dad was stationed there during the Gulf War. So that was also going on at that time. Um, Yeah, but again, I was like, you know, 12, 13, 14. So just thinking about, or just thinking about yourself. (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) Totally just thinking about myself and my, my friends and my social life mostly. But, um, yeah, no, there was definitely stuff going on at that time for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Um, it was a cool experience though. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what were you, were you at that time working creatively in a way? I mean, I know at this age it's, you do get really, I don't know about you, but I definitely got caught up with friends and I kind of let all that shit kind of go to the back burner. Well, it's, it's an interesting question. Cause like I've, 
always been a really creative and artistic person. Like even as a young child, art making was probably one of my favorite things to do. I obviously yeah. didn't weave or do fiber art, but I drew and painted constantly. Um, and I always just had, always had at least one sketchbook on the go. So yeah. I was r- really into drawing growing up. I loved illustration. I loved comics. Um, and even throughout high school, uh, art class was always my favorite time. And um, I had always planned to try to apply to art, art school, like a secondary, oh, post-secondary wow. education. So it's always something I really wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and that I did a lot of as a young person. And then I just, you know, it's it's hard to say, like, in hindsight, but I definitely got caught up with some other things. And I think I got caught up with a lot of self-doubt around my worth as an artist and I actually stopped making art completely after high school I did nothing (laughs) so it's it's a little strange because I I as a kid I was just creating constantly like all I love to do is my favorite thing to do but then I I just stopped Yeah. yeah I was the same but it was more like I think it was more uh, it, I, I don't think it was a, it was based in any kind of self-reflection or self-doubt. I think it was just like where my path led because it was college and partying and then just finding a career and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, art wasn't ever set out to me as a possibility to pursue yeah. <laughs> like as an adult, you know? Um, totally. So, so when you were in, see, where did you finish out high school then? Were you in, back in Canada? I was living in the suburbs of Ottawa Okay. when I finished high school. Yeah. And then I moved out of my parents' house um, and I was living like downtown Ottawa Mm. for a couple of years until I moved to Montreal. And yeah, same thing. I tried college. Um, I I didn't really end up pursuing anything. I I think I stopped after a year and then I just worked. I worked full time. Mm. So I was more into like living on my own, working jobs, experiencing life, hanging with my friends. That was was 20. That's so brave. I don't know. I feel like anybody who goes to school and then decides that they're not going to do it. It's so brave to set out in my mind because I feel like it's a safe space to be, you know, to stay in college. And even if you don't think you're getting anything out of it or whatever, just to be there, you know? Yeah, totally. I, it for sure can be for me, like going to school was never something that I loved. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it did feel like a safe space for me. I think Mm -hmm. I was just like, I'm going to try this adulting thing and get a job and get an apartment yeah. and just live my own life. I, I definitely wanted um, like my freedom and independence from my family at that age. That was right. something I was really focused on. Yeah. yeah. Understandable. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> wanted out too. I was like, uh, yeah, like yeah, time and, to go. Yeah. And yep. please, and please don't visit. Like every time they would visit, I would stress <laughs> out. I'm like, Oh God, not to hide stuff. And like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I still feel that way, to be honest, but whatever. <laughs> I'm like 40 years old and I'm like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> I gotta, 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 yeah. <laughs> don't look in that drawer and don't look in that drawer. Um, anyway, so what were uh, what were you doing for work at the time then? Oh, I really, I mostly worked customer service jobs for like oh. a really long time, which is funny because um, – I feel like it's a, lot, a line of work that really doesn't get a lot of glory, you know, right. <laughs> like it's often a job that people do when they're younger. But um, I worked in retail for a really long time and I worked in um, as a manager oh. 
okay. for retail for a long time. But I actually feel like my experience doing that has informed my business so much at this point now that I'm self-employed and yeah. it's been like incredibly useful. I bet. But yeah, so yeah. How, what do you like, what kinds of things? Well, customer service. Hell yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm doing, I'm doing so much of that now and you probably are too, but yeah, um, sure. yeah with the back and forth and everything and wow. Yeah. Um, I love it too. It's one of my favorite things is like connecting with people. And I, I miss, I miss that, um, like real life interaction a lot too, because so much, I'm sure it's the same for you. Like so much of our business is online and it's all virtual. So you're not actually really meeting with people face to face all the time. And I miss that, but I I do really love connecting with, uh, with clients. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah. Agreed. It's, it's, it's great. And I feel like it's, it's, it's also a double edged sword in, today's day and age now to do it because I feel like it's a 24 hour cycle. <laughs> so it's, like, you know, so like, and, and I do it myself. I think I'm like, oh, would this business be op- like, would they have a customer service line right now where I can just ask them a quick question? Because now the thing is, is I think that everybody's day winds down at like 9 p.m. And that's when we have time to think about the questions we need to ask whatever businesses or whatever things, you know what I mean? So then like, yeah, totally. I feel like I get the most requests like at the end, like after eight, you know, which in the evening. Yeah, yeah. That's when people are thinking about it. Exactly. Totally. Exactly. So it's, yeah, that's like ba- boundaries and work mm-hmm. is like a whole other conversation. We can get into it. If I you think want. we I should. That. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I really try to maintain like, some sort of old school boundaries with my work. And I think about my work as a work day, um, sort of a more conventional one. So I do, I, I don't work in the evenings. I really try not to, Yeah. uh, or on weekends. So I try to keep my work in that sort of nine to five schedule. For me, it's more like seven to three, but that's right, sort of my school, hours with kids yeah. being in school and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm one of those people, if you message me at like eight, at 8 PM, I won't answer. Yeah. It's really good. You know, I I try, I tried. I I don't want to, but because it's like if I've already checked it, checked the DM, then I'm not gonna know that it's there the next day. It will be out of my mind. So if I don't answer right away, then I'll just forget about it. And then you must get a lot. I feel like yeah. you must get well, a lot lately, they're just like, when are you restocking? When are you restocking? When are you restocking? Oh, no. <laughs> they're not even like, <laughs> so at least that's easy. I can literally like paste the answer, cut and paste the answer. But, right. um, but yeah, no, uh, but when it is, I mean, and, but I, and I do, I want to answer all of those questions too. But, um, yeah, I just find that I, I'll forget about the email if I don't answer it right away, which is horrible. Like I really need to figure out a better system, but um, yeah, that's me. That's no, good though that you have these boundaries. I mean, it, there's, yeah, I try, I try. And it's not like, and I, I don't, I don't say that in any way to be like judgmental of how anyone decides to do things. It's just for me to feel like, um, be, uh, otherwise I'm just either like working all the time or kind of caring for my kids and doing family time all the time. And I mm-hmm. find that, really trying to compartmentalize my life in these ways just creates more space for me to have a, a like a personal life and just a bit more I, I don't even like to use the word balance because I don't totally feel like it exists no <laughs> no it does time, not it does not at least just more of a flow like my my kids one of my my oldest is in school and then my youngest is in daycare during the day so I have the daytime 
by myself and at home to work. I mm-hmm. work from home. So I work all day while they're out of the house. So I'm either making orders or I'm packing and shipping or I'm ordering supplies, like whatever right. I'm doing in a day. Um, but then when my kids come home, I don't really, I don't like to be on my phone or my computer around them. I don't mind if they see me making because I think that's nice for them to yeah. see, you know, my actual fiber work and it's interesting for them and they always want to see what I'm doing and touch the pieces and they both have like mini looms and love to get into the yarn and stuff too with me so that that's really nice but I don't I don't like to feel um I guess distracted by that when I'm with them yeah but um yeah so it's nice to try to create these little boundaries between a work day and my home life otherwise I'm at home and I feel like I would just think about work all the time if I let myself yeah, so, I mean it is. It's like a sanity tool. <laughs> yeah, because to, you're the same them. too, right? You work, yeah. you also work from home and everything. Yeah, so you're not physically. You don't have any physical boundaries to right. to remove yourself from work, and it can really, really take over. And it's, with e- email, Instagram, people can get a hold of you all the time. It's it's a lot. It yeah. is. It, it's true. I mean, I think even uh, this podcast is one of those things where like because because my work is now so solitary and it's at home i mean i can go i could literally go weeks without leaving my house if i had to other other than like pick up my kids or take them to wherever they need to go or yeah i could go weeks without having an adult conversation like uh, with someone other than my husband and even those are like those conversations are so not (laughs) it's like about the kids or you know logistics or whatever (laughs) yeah i totally understand for sure yeah Yeah. so you need to like create those little create that time, carve out that time for yourself to yeah. be <laughs> leaving for your house and talking to for people. For sure. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Wait, so let's go back. Uh, we have you, um, you were working like in your, so this is your twenties, I assume like your early twenties. And then yeah. how did you eventually come to your fiber art? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I've done, I did a lot of other things in the meantime too. I feel like I'm somebody who's sort of, uh, I tend to change gears every couple years, whatever yeah. I'm doing. I have had a, many different careers and jobs and vocations. Um, but the last like kind of job job I had before I started making fiber art, I was working um, for a music management and production company. I was actually grant writing mostly for touring uh, musicians and artists. Oh, wow. Um, and my partner works in the music industry too. So we were both sort of tied to that here in Montreal. Um, and then I got pregnant with Nova. So my second kid and I was on maternity leave and, um, I just had like a lot of different things come up for me. So one was the fact that in my partner's line of work, he travels a lot for work. He's a tour manager. So he's away. He's away a lot. Um, and we were having a second child. So that was two kids instead of one. And I also have, uh, I have fibromyalgia and I have some other autoimmune stuff going on. So I, I live with like chronic pain and fatigue. Wow. So parenting, two kids alone a lot of the time while trying to manage work for me was starting to feel pretty impossible. Mm -hmm. Um, just prior to Nova being born, I had, um, started working from home to for like for my job, but just working remotely because it was just easier for me than going to an office every day. So, um, while I was on maternity leave, I, 
I had like honestly just wanted some macrame plant hangers for my house. I had really gotten into like houseplant collecting and was just looking for some functional pieces. And at the time, um, macrame was kind of not that easy to find, which is strange because now it's really everywhere. You right. look, It's quite amazing how it's changed in just a few years. But um, so I decided just to try to make some. And again, like I said, I was at this time, I was really not creative or crafty or making stuff all the time, but I was like, I can do this. So I, um, I got some rope and I took a class on, um, it was on the creative bug platform okay. and it was taught by Emily Katz, who oh, nice. I had no idea who she was at the yeah. time. She had these online classes and she had a plant hanger class. And so I did this online class and it was so much fun. And I just made all these plant hangers for my house. And oh, I was like, awesome. this is great. But then I really enjoyed the experience of making macrame and I'd never made fiber art before. So then I went back and she had another class on how to do a, a simple wall hanging. So then I did that class online too. And it was just I don't know what it was, Cindy. It was like I hadn't made any art really in like so long and it just like flipped the switch in my brain. Yeah. And I, I loved the the mindfulness of the the knot tying and learning the techniques. And I there was just something about it that was just really attracted me to it. And I just kept making stuff, but yeah. I was really just making it for myself. Um, and then like friends started asking about what I was making. And, um, I also had a friend, uh, who owned a small business that's now closed, but this great little local shop. And I brought some plant hangers to her and I was like, do you think I could try selling these kind of like on consignment in your store? Do you think this would work? And then I really just decided to, to make a go of it. And I was like, I'm going to open an Etsy shop and try kind of doing this on the side and see how it goes. And Yay, I love it. So were you still pregnant at the time or it. you're on maternity leave? I was on maternity leave. So in Canada, we are really lucky and we get a whole year yeah. maternity leave. So you, you I, I mean, you're obviously bitch. busy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, it's, it's really amazing that we have this time. So I, I did. I had this time to sort of explore this while yeah. I was at home with my baby. And um that's sort of how I got into it. So starting my business was sort of born out of, it was born out of this like necessity for me to find something different, a way for me to like be employed and sustain my, myself and my family, but something I could do from home while I could still be with my kids and manage my health. Right. And, and the fulfillment, yeah, so, right? Like that spark of, it's literally like a spark of joy the minute you finish your first piece and you step back, especially after a long time of not creating, right? This was the yeah. same exact thing for me too. And it was like with was the, when really the kids amazing. were young and it's like this, it's like this palpable thing where you're like, holy shit, like this is, I just made something, you know? And it's, I don't know. It, for me, it was the yeah, same totally. way, think, you know? No. And it, it, it really was, it was like, I always describe it as like this, this switch in my brain that I had somehow turned off, just got turned on again. Yeah. And then it was like, cause I remember when I was younger too, like this, like drawing for me, it was like a, a need to draw. Like I felt this drive to constantly sort of create and produce and, and make art. It was something I wanted to do all the time. And when I started making macrame, that it was that same feeling yeah. that I was like, hey, I want to keep doing this. I want to make something else. I want to learn more. I want to learn more. And I just couldn't. And you're thinking about it all I the did, time, right? Like, like 
I couldn't just stop laying there no, what, I as you're trying to. Obsessed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was totally obsessive. I and I was it. painting at the same time too on the side. I was got into painting a bit and I was actually painting um, pet portraits on commission oh, too. That's so awesome. And then I, I got too busy with both and then I had to choose, choose one or the other. And then I, I chose fiber art and that's just what I've stuck with. But it's like really any sort of creating is, is attractive to me now. That's and I'm, awesome. I'm so glad that I've rekindled that in my life because it's, it's been so, so satisfying. And I'm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So then when did the macrame, um, when did you start sort of transitioning over to weaving and how did you learn how to weave? Oh, so we, yeah, that's a great question because it's funny now when I think about it, but at the time it just seemed like a natural transition or like a next step. It was like, mm -hmm. okay, I'd been doing macrame for probably about six months okay. um, at that point. So I'd been making plant hangers, been making wall hangings. And um, I think it was probably because I had tried incorporating some weaving with my macrame. And then I was like, oh, I would actually really like to learn to weave on a loom, nice, do, yeah. to do loom weaving. And I was, it was just sort of the same thing where I was like, I'll just go on Etsy and order a loom. And I did. And, um, the loom was from Oak and Ash. Mm -hmm. I so, had that loom. Yeah, I would order those looms actually loom. for workshops. I would, cause they break down with the, um, which yeah. is like the poles, right? Like the poles They're on the Rebecca, sides. Yeah. Yeah. Made in Minnesota. And I think her shop is in, um, I want to say she's in North Carolina maybe, but I mean, yeah, I, I don't remember. Yeah, I just ordered me, but... a weaving kit from her. And I also did an online class. I think it was also on Creative Bug, just that like platform. And I just learned a couple of basic stitches. And then yeah. I just kept going. And my weaving, it, it was similar to the, the macrame where I just sort of did like one introductory class. And then my learning was a lot of practice. So mm -hmm. I did it every day. And I'm not not exaggerating. <laughs> it was every day. Like I made macrame every day. Once I learned to weave, I think I've been weaving every day yeah. since I started. It's, so it's, it's a so lot funny. Of it's so funny because we've had like a parallel journey yet slightly opposite because I started with weaving and then six months later I switched to macrame. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really want to get back into weaving though because it's, I don't know, like I have this I keep saying it in my head and it's like one of those things where you're always like, oh, this is what I'm going to do next. Like I want to build a giant loom and just make one big weaving that like over the year I'll just like add to when I have a chance. Um, but it's, yeah, hasn't With happened. With all your free time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> um, so why for you did you switch to macrame? Because uh, I realized that I always wanted to do large scale pieces and I could do those quicker than I could weave. Like weaving okay. took forever to me. It was always something that just took longer. And um, right with yeah, with macrame, I could find I could like I can do a five to six foot wide piece in maybe like fifteen hours. But if I did a weaving that big, I mean, we're talking months for me, just because yeah. I'm a slow weaver. But um, the process is different. Yeah. yeah, and it is different for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's so interesting. I know, right? Okay, oh. wait. So your so your aesthetic is like really recognizable. So many colors, like full spectrum rainbows. Um, did you find that 
like, was that your sort of perspective and voice from the very beginning? Or was it something like cl- it clicked one day? Or how did that s- sort of develop? Well, I'll, that's, that's a great question. I've actually thought about this because it, I think there's a couple things. So um, when I started making, because macrame, at least when I, when I started, it was very neutral. So even like trying to find colored rope, yes. it wasn't really on the market yet. So if you wanted to use colors, you would have to like dye your own rope or yep. create, create that. And what I was seeing like out there in the world was very neutral too, right? Because you're mostly just working with your natural materials. So if it's like cotton, it's raw cotton and it's, it's just neutral, which is great because then you can make anything with it. It can go anywhere. Um, so I was making probably a lot of more neutral pieces. And then part of the reason I wanted to start incorporating weaving into my macrame is because I wanted to work with color and it seemed like an easy way to bring that in. So I think at the time, um, the only person that I, I'm, I'm sure there were other people. I just don't remember. I remember, um, I believe her name is Sarah from the forest fern was doing, she was incorporating some weaving and I was like, that's really cool. And then I had been playing around with roving. And so I tried my own take on it and it just, it totally just resonated with me. And I really loved the approach. And then I had, uh, a, a client commissioned a piece for me, but it's a friend of mine and she's a color lover and she wanted a, a rainbow piece. Uh-huh. So it was a rainbow macrame wall hanging and it was pretty big. And it was the first time I ever made it. And she was just like, can you do like lots of colors? Um, but like, like what you do, but just rainbow colors. And I was like, okay, great. And I was really, really excited about the project and to try it. So that was the first piece I did that was rainbow. And it, I, I know um, when I shared it to social media, it got such a big reaction compared to anything I had ever shared right. before. So, and again, like it's, it's funny to think about now because rainbows are so trendy <laughs> right. right now and they're everywhere, but at the time they, they weren't right. everywhere. And even just my friend asking for this piece, like it felt a little unconventional to do it. Um, but yeah, it just resonated with other people. And I really had so much fun making it. And, um, and then when I think about it more, you know, like, as again, as a kid, I was always really attracted to color. And, you know, my favorite toys were like my little pony. So everything was like rainbow colored. And I was super into Lisa Frank and all of that stuff. So I, I don't even though like, it's not how I express myself personally, I think it my artistic aesthetic has always been super colorful. And I've, I've, it's what I'm the most inspired by most of the time is color. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I like doing everything. I don't like having, I don't like to feel like I have only one style. Like something I love about doing this is like experimenting and trying new things. And I always want to learn new techniques and I always have ideas for different things, but I, I always love making rainbow pieces too. It's they're really fun to make. So. Yeah, totally. And yeah. they definitely they make, make people happy. They do. They make people happy. Yeah. There's no way to look at yeah. one and be like, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like, no, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, totally. Yeah. I mean, and actually, with your other, um, with the palettes that you put together that are not just like full spectrum, it's they're so lovely. Do you feel like you? Um, do you just kind of go by instinct and what you like? what makes your soul and your eyes happy when you're putting colors together? Or do you have like a color theory kind of idea in the back of your head? No, I have no color theory in the back of my head. 
ever. I wish I did. I actually keep thinking I should like Same learn <laughs> about color theory. So I actually have some knowledge to go with it. Um, something I do is I always have a lot of materials on hand, which is nice because then it allows me to explore color combinations. So often um, I'll actually just physically pick and choose colors and put them together on a table. And it's like a feeling for me or, yeah. you know, like until I'm happy with what I see. I also find a lot of inspiration from um, like nature and just like the world, natural world. If I look at a lot of like nature photography online too, I find like there's just such stunning color combinations in nature, which you can then replicate with. So I like to do that a lot as well. Um, And another big color inspiration for me is illustration. So looking at illustrated work, I love children's illustration like love it I'm super obsessed so I actually love looking at like kids books for color palette inspirations oh that's such a good idea yeah there's really really wonderful ones and like children's literature right now is just it's incredible yeah it's just the greatest yeah I don't know how I have been doing I've been like we I read to my kids every night and it has not occurred to me to look Okay, so now I, I mean, as far as color, attention. like I'll like yeah. admire the I I'll admire the illustrations and be like, wow, you know, like this is really beautiful or wonderful. But then I don't know, I've never thought about it in terms of color palette. That's actually an amazing idea. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I yeah. love that. It's like it's just I don't know. I'm always struck sometimes by by paintings or photography, and yeah, I'll like pick and choose colors from there. But yeah, a lot of it for me is really just a a feeling and. I, I love putting color combinations together. I find it like endlessly so inspiring fun. and really fun. Yeah. I, it's so funny because I keep um I keep playing around with my art yarn, like putting together weaving packs and I'll just do it because like, well, number one, it makes me feel productive. Like if I'm not, if I don't have any orders <laughs> or something to fulfill, I'm like, oh, you have to do some work. Okay, I'll put together new weaving packs. But like, it's really fun just to be like, well, does this work? Does this work? Does this work? And I have like, there's so many listed that like don't sell, but I'm just like, oh, this is like, I'll, I'll endlessly do it. And then, like well that's it it's like infinite right you could go on forever it's so fun it really is it'll speak to someone like one day it'll sell and it'll be the right (laughs) the right combination and some people are like I get a lot of feedback from clients that they because I I do fiber packs too on my site but for this reason that some people really struggle with trying to choose colors or I think it can feel intimidating sometimes yes to to know what to pick even though I think you totally can't go wrong I'm just like do whatever feels good to you you should do it but it, it is it's a really fun thing to put pick colors and I love when I teach workshops too because I often just put a whole bunch of yarn on the table oh, and awesome. I let folks pick their own colors as opposed to coming up with like pre-made packs for them so because it's a big part of being creative too is like choosing your materials and choosing your palette to work in so yeah I always love seeing what other people are gonna do too it's really fun yeah definitely I also you know I also it just reminds me like I don't think I think in my process of even putting together the 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 yarn packs is like so often I'll find some colors that I think look really good together that I never would have thought of before. But I have that, like the luxury of being able to have like so many in front of me to just be like, oh, this or this or this, which I don't think everybody has that luxury always. So yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really nice to be That's able to That's it. Just... It's like having the materials in front of in you front. can really help a lot for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But I don't know, folks 
try looking at kids' books. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> I, <laughs> just open your eyes. <laughs> um, so let's talk about workshops. Are you teaching any? Are you? Do you have any upcoming? I don't. I'm actually done for the year. Okay. I'm taking a little bit of a break. This year has been hectic. We've just family life, and it's been busy. And teaching on the weekends sometimes is uh, is it's hectic. I was. Yeah, it's a lot. I didn't do that many this fall. Um, I was really, really lucky that I got to go to Toronto and I taught two workshops in Toronto this fall at um, Boku. Shout out to Aruna who invited me to come to her beautiful shop and teach two classes there. Oh, it was really great. I'm so lucky that I got to do that. And she's she's inspired me for a a really long time. Like. Agreed. Like 10 years before I was even making fiber art I was buying bags from her she's she's amazing yeah so that was a lot of fun so I'm hoping maybe that we might be able to swing that again next year in the spring or the summer I'll go back to Toronto and teach and I'll I'll do a couple more um in the city I'm sure I'm actually looking for new locations here in Montreal so okay but I'll be sure to announce on my Instagram when I have some coming up I really love teaching it's yeah. like the only time I people face to face same so. here <laughs> <laughs> like same here. So necessary it's, it's so funny because you know like I had mentioned I do get nervous before them but then every time as I'm leaving I'm like that was so fun like why don't I organize more of these uh more often but then in the planning process I'm like oh I don't I don't know like I have to motivate myself to do it I don't know <laughs> do you teach wall hangings or I do wall, I do wall hangings wall hanging yeah mostly just beginner wall hangings but I've had a couple requests now for to do a like a like a second session you know advanced beginner or something where we do layers um or something like that so yeah I'll probably do some early next year but yeah it's just a funny thing because I'm always nervous beforehand and like for weeks beforehand and then always right after I'm like that was amazing and I have like all like you know 10 new friends (laughs) Yeah, no, they're really fun. I love doing them too. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't get so nervous. It's more just the t- the time to yeah. like finding the time to do it. And like I said, my partner is away a lot too. So yeah, that's really hard. Finding I'm, time in our schedules to do things is tricky sometimes. Yeah, for but. sure. Well, we're putting it out there. Yeah. More another location in Montreal uh, for anyone <laughs> who wants to host a work a weaving workshop. So you're doing weaving workshops? Uh, any macrame? No, I stopped doing macrame this year. Mm-hmm. I made the decision to stop to stop making macrame pretty much. I will still do um, like large scale commissions mm-hmm. for wall hangings because I love doing them. Yeah. But um, I really only like doing big things. Yeah. I love making big art. Are you the I same? Know. I'm the same way. <laughs> That's why I like had I just to... made all these like little minis for my shop. And I'm like, no, I just want to make giant things all the time. Because I feel like there's so much more freedom in terms of like the, when you have a huge canvas, there's so much more freedom within that space to like go yeah. crazy. Whereas with the little ones, you're like, I'm like, I, I remember doing, I did like two markets in my whole making career and yeah they were both kind of duds because I don't think I provided the correct things but I mean I learned a lot obviously um in my failure but uh <laughs> it's but it's like because I I can't I can't I don't know I'm not good at making small things and I don't think I make them look great and then it's like because they have to sort of be impulse buy things you know if you're going to do markets yeah I, I I totally agree with you and I think I'm the same and I love 
I love going to markets, mm-hmm. like for my holiday shopping. Same. I will buy handmade and local as much as possible. I adore them. But for me and my own style and what I do, I don't like making little things. I really yeah. like making large scale pieces. Yeah. Yeah. So for the macrame, I just, I decided to stop. But if anybody wants a large scale wall hanging, I love making them. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. And I love, I still love making macrame. I just, the weaving side is really like, where my heart is like I feel like weaving to it just speaks to me in a way that like nothing else has and it's really like my medium at least right now but it's been like a three-year love affair and I'm pretty into it so it's yeah it's, um, it's in there it's for sure <laughs> oh yeah I love it so it's not much. a fling <laughs> no not a fling we're, we're in it for the long haul so that's really what I wanted to focus on and um it's not that I was t- too busy it's just I I I find that it's pretty easy to business wise to kind of spread yourself thin. And like this year I I found myself being spread pretty thin and I think I was trying to do too many things Mm -hmm. and um, I've been doing, trying to make space to do a lot of like reflecting on what I actually want to be doing and what I want to be putting out into the world. I'm trying to be intentional Mm -hmm. all the time and having more intentionality to what I'm doing so I decided to sort of scale back and focus on weaving but I instead I'm selling weaving supplies now so I have a loom and I make I have fiber packs and I really like curating those they're a lot of fun they're a lot of fun to put together for people and then it's really fun to see what people make with them so also being able to inspire other people to tap into their own creativity has been like super rewarding for me. I really love that aspect of it. So that's something I would like to do more of. I've just got to figure out how to do it. (laughs) More of the inspiring others. Yeah. So like more more teaching. I get asked all the time if I will ever have an online class and it's something I would really love to do. I was going to ask you. So like when you think about your business, because like for, or, or even um, just the, the parts of your practice that you want to devote more time to. Like, you know, I've been thinking about it for a while and like the loom is one thing and then like making more videos is another thing for me. When you think about yours, like things that are, that are constantly in your mind that you're going to get to, (laughs) that you're having trouble getting to, like what are those things for you? Okay. Well, the first one is hilarious, but I have to say it because it's so real. It's a website. I've been trying to do this <laughs> yeah. for like two years. I do not have a website and I feel like this is something I need to make happen. So this is a priority. Um, and then when I have a website, I'll be able to host an online class. So that's also a priority to to try and do that because I have an ebook right now, but it's pretty basic. And I I know for myself, I don't learn very well from a book. Like Mm -hmm. I'm very much a visual learner. So I love learning from people in person. Like I think if you want to learn a workshop by far is the best way to go if you can take one. Mm -hmm. But um, I think online classes are great. And I know there's so many great ones out there already too, which is why I've hesitated to even make one because I'm often just sending people to where there already are because there's so many great online classes, but I do there get are, asked. But there's not going to be, it's, I mean, it's your particular skill set and, and, um, and way of interpreting and explaining and inspiring, like the way that you'll talk about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's so maybe. individual to you that 
I mean, do it. (laughs) You have to do it. I get asked enough that I feel like I should. So that's something I'd really like to do. And then, yeah, I would love to explore more opportunities like around teaching. I would love to travel more to teach if I could make that work. And um, yeah, I need, I would also love to do more large scale work. I would love to snag commissions and like a hotel or some big like corporate commissions. So I need to start maybe researching ways to, to try to make that happen or put myself out there a little bit more beyond like the sphere of Etsy and, and Instagram, which are kind of the two little bubbles that I, I exist in right now. But well, I think you just made your first step. So you just put out into the universe that <laughs> I'm I am big on like literally when you verbalize something and you vocalize a certain goal, like I, I just feel like there's more energy behind it to make it actually happen. So there you go. Hotel commissions, large scale, uh, yeah. large scale weaving commissions. Um, I just you- want to make big things. Yeah, man. I feel <laughs> you. Like and then you and yeah. And the the um like the end result of it when you get to look at when you're making like the giant stuff. I mean, there's just no, I don't know. For me, I feel like there's like no better feeling. It's like being finished with a piece like that. Um, you feel it's very like a very accomplished. Yes. Feeling. Yes. It's exciting. And, oh, yeah. I love it. I just love making big yeah. pieces. Yeah. Um, you know how they say like do it for the process. Do you find that you do it more for the process or for the result? Oh, that is such a good question. I I will say, like, I want to say both, but I want to say that maybe I'm a bit results driven. Um, uh, Mandy Smethels posted Mm -hmm. something on her Instagram this week that it was funny and it made me laugh because she posted something about when she starts a project, she kind of needs to sit down and power through it. Otherwise, she won't. She's worried that she won't finish it. Mm -hmm. Mandy, I'm paraphrasing. I hope I got that right. But (laughs) something to that effect and it just resonated with me because I I feel the same way like often when I when I'm feeling inspired I just feel this really like innate drive to get the idea out of my head onto the loom and finished and what often when I start making like people will sometimes comment on my level of productivity and I'm a I'm a fast weaver but it's because when I sit down to work I I just do it and I will for like eight hours straight very quickly to finish a piece but I I don't spend a lot of time uh planning or like I don't sketch my weavings Mm -hmm. before anything no it's like all in my head but it's like this it's getting it getting it out I don't know how else to describe yeah yeah and well so and then I would imagine you probably don't have a lot of like half finished work like because for me it's like if that momentum dies it's dead like I have one piece. It's literally been on a loom, I think, for four years. Why have I not cut it off? I have no idea. But <laughs> but it was like because I got stuck right there and I kept yeah. thinking I'd come back to it, but I'm never I'm never going back to it. It's like the no. things that I'm gonna do, I I do it like within like a marathon amount of time and then and then it's yep. done and it's out. That makes sense to me. I think I'm I have a very similar process. So it's inspiration will hit and I'll have an idea, but then I'll need to make it like right away. And I always try to give myself space too, because I always have um, like uh, custom orders on the go. I I usually have at least like a couple on the go at a time, but I always 
try to give myself breaks in between custom pieces to just do creative pieces because mm-hmm. my my custom work is often making rainbows or made to order pieces so it feels they're still super creative but it, it feels more like production work so I'm making right. the same design over and over I again I was going to ask you about that yeah do you find that um that uh, yeah, I was going to say, do you find most of your custom work to be slightly repetitive or remakes of things you've already made? Or do you have a lot of clients who will just be like, you know what, I just really like what you do. So feel free. Here are the sizes. It's a bit of both. Like I, I have made to order listings in my shop. So for the rainbow weavings, I have them in a couple different sizes and I, I only make them to order so people mm-hmm. can go in buy one. So there's always a couple of those on the go, I sell them all the time. So, mm-hmm. and there's, there's still creative in the sense that they're all a little bit different because it's handmade, oh, right? Sure. So yeah. they're, they're never the same. Um, and then I will also sometimes get a connection with a client around the story about why they're buying one, which will, will be inspiring on its own. Mm-hmm. So there's that, but, um, it's not often that I, I have a client who will ask me to, do a custom piece for them that's totally original or something that I haven't made before. I think I've done two this year that were really a bit out of the box mm-hmm. that were so much fun. Yeah. And the ideas came from my clients, which I love collaborating with people. So for example, someone chose the size of one of my made to order pieces, but then she was like, well, we live by the ocean. And instead of doing rainbow, could we do this in blues? And instead of hanging it on a dowel, could we do driftwood? And I was like, no problem. And then as I started working on it, I tweaked the design more because just intuitively I was like, oh, it could be more like waves and to have a more organic feel. So the client and I sort of had this back and forth. And then the fin- the finished weaving was just, it turned out so beautifully oh, and I was so happy with it and she was so happy with it. And it was just, it's so, it's like magical when that happens. And this is a person I've never met. We've just communicated over email, but yeah. it just clicked. And, and you know, it's going to be like so special for her forever. So it's, it's the best I hope feeling. So. Yeah. I had a really nice uh, communication with her and I did another piece for um, a client earlier this year that was the... Um, sort of a landscape piece. It was like rolling green hills with a blue sky oh, with wow. flowers. And it, she was also inspired by um, her parents' home in Vermont, which is where she wanted to hang the piece. And so I'd never made anything like that before. But oh, she wow. was like, I love your style. Do you think you could do this? And it's when I shared pictures of it, it was probably one of my most liked and shared pieces ever on social media yeah it was really just but again it was the client's idea so I'm like as an artist I'm super open to interpreting interpreting other people's ideas as long as I can do it in in my own style in my own voice so yeah yeah those are the best (laughs) yeah but it doesn't happen very often for me anyways but I I love it so yeah, don't be shy. It's on you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm actually, I'm like thinking right now what I could, I'm like, should I go, if I could find, like think of um a certain, I don't know, I have this thing in my head I might share with you later because I, I love your work. I would love to commission you for something soon, so. <laughs> well, anytime. Yeah, 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 awesome. Come up, with a, come up with a crazy idea. We can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll talk to you offline about that. But yes. um, um, let's talk about your future website. What's what's uh, where are you stuck? Well, okay. It's it's like it's 
I don't want to say it's time management because I, I pride myself on my time management skills, but <laughs> it's, it's a question of priority, I think, for me. So it's always something that slips down in, mm. in urgency with things I need to do. But the longer I do this, the more I want to – I don't want to move away from the, like, handmade – um, like maker community because it's a wonderful community that's been um, so good to me and I I love it but I also I just feel like I may be growing in what I want to do and I maybe want to be taken a little seriously and see myself as an artist and I think I should have you know a proper website oh <laughs> no I totally agree actually I was surprised um when I went to go research the you know like the nuts and bolts of where we can find you and all that kind of stuff today I was like wait a minute Etsy no which is great Etsy's amazing I'm not even like yeah. it's it's amazing and I started on it too and um and all that stuff but I was I have to say I was surprised that I didn't see a novamercury.com um no I'm just on Etsy and I just have Instagram. I'm not using any other social media. So have you uh, registered the domain? I haven't. Girl, Brian. I need to do that. Okay, Cindy, everybody tell Jen she needs a website. Okay, so just to put it in perspective, it's going to take you five minutes. It's going to take you two minutes to register your domain. And then it's going to take you five minutes <laughs> to um, either get your Square uh, website or your Shopify website or whatever you're going to use. But I, I don't know. Or Squarespace. That's what I was thinking. Squarespace, which I would recommend. What do you um, use? You use Squarespace? I, I use Shopify. Well, I use Shopify, but it's only because... I started on Squarespace and they, hands down, like it's the most beautiful templates, um, right. really good for showing art. Um, but at the time, um, the e-commerce portion of it wasn't as developed, but now I think it is. Like, I think that they've really made it pretty turnkey too with e-commerce. So um, I don't know. I would probably do that unless you think – I think the one benefit for Shopify for me was realizing that my volume was so big that uh, they had just had better shipping deals. So it was like if you get to – if you're willing to pay a certain amount per month, which is pretty high, then their shipping deals are going to be better. So um, yeah. So I don't know. That's something to research. But I don't know, man. I'll just say that it's not as daunting a task that you might be considering because all you honestly you're gonna need like five images to just get it out like out there and put it out there, yeah. And then like one boilerplate about me, you know, which is probably somewhere on your Etsy. So it's a yeah. lot of cutting and pasting, and then like even just to have like five images up there to ha- like to be a placeholder, and then slowly yeah. everything, and then after that happens slowly, and you don't even have to rush, you know. But no, you're you're totally right. And I am going to go register the domain. I'm going to send you a screenshot. So I did it. You can be, be yes. my accountability buddy. My job here is done. I think you're my new business manager. Um, I also really, fun fact about me, I really dislike doing like tech stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy it at all. So anything that requires me to like sit at a computer and do work, I will procrastinate. I do not enjoy it. So that... Well, then in that case – I think it's also a barrier for me. No, I get that. I totally get that. And and that actually gives me a lot of insight and I then definitely recommend Squarespace. There's this way more plug and play than Shopify. 
Yeah, and I did. Like, I looked at their templates, and they're so beautiful. Yeah, and like and you can literally drag. Yeah, and you like literally just drag stuff in, and it's. I mean, it's so easy with Shopify. Like when you have to figure out all these like weird logistical things, it's kind of annoying. Um, <laughs> not to talk down on Shopify. I really love you guys, but. Um, <laughs> But just comparing. Yeah, 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 yeah. When, yeah. when if you want to like ha- like not have to program, then I would say go Squarespace. They just make it really oh, that's easy. So good to know. Yeah, they make it easy Thank and you. it's beautiful. And I feel like your work will it will look awesome on a Squarespace site. I know. Site, it will. Site. It's really well. I need to do it. So, yeah. yeah <laughs> I know. I had like some cool opportunities come up this week too, and I was like, why don't I have a website? I need a website. Yeah. So it's just like reminding me that. I need to get it done. I need to prioritize it. So yeah, you'll do it. I know you'll do it. Yeah. (laughs) Or you could, I'm trying to think. So does your, your Instagram leads right to your, um, your Etsy link? I have a link in my Instagram Etsy shop. Yeah. Okay. Cause I was gonna say, or if you have a a link tree and then you could, well, whatever. Okay. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) Yeah, I know. There's lots of ways to do it. And and it's like, it's tricky too. Cause I think Etsy, when I started out, was so was so great because it is it's all it's there where you for go you. for it yeah you just like your things in and it's very user friendly and they have a lot of support for people when you're starting out and then it was also like a lot of my traffic was being driven by Etsy to my shop yes and now I'm finding if I look at my traffic stats I'm driving my own traffic mm-hmm. for the most part at this point so I'm like well I think I'm that's not like, saying yeah. I'm gonna leave that's Etsy telling. but yeah I I do need to have my own space and it's not good to put all your eggs in one basket you need totally. to have different different outlets and stuff so yeah, yeah. Yep. I still have a presence on Etsy um I think yeah but then it's like whatever you I think that's a huge marker is when you you find and you notice that you're driving your own like you're getting your own audience for the most part then that's absolutely like a sign that you're ready to go off on your own <laughs> yeah sure. totally yeah and yeah. it's a branding thing too so like you know to um, yeah, to be like, uh, I, to elevate yourself in a certain way and also put yourself at a, at a price point, I think that you're taken, um, into consideration more as an artist versus, um, an artisan crafter. Yeah. Then, you know, to have that kind of presence and the website yeah. presence is, is necessary. Although yeah, I would I say totally Marianne Moody, um, she drives, she uses her Etsy link like more than her website link. Funny, huh? Oh, does she? Yeah. Like for her workshops, you like register from her from her Etsy. So I thought that huh. was very interesting. <laughs> Might just be like a logistical thing too, or sometimes it's easier to just set that up. and Yeah. Because Etsy is so easy to use. But yeah. It, but this is why I'm still there. I know. It's so easy. I know. Like from your phone, you can <laughs> upload everything to your phone. Your listings yep. are just like no brainers. I know. I, I agree. Totally. Totally. <laughs> And they do. They do a lot of marketing, I have to say, like on your behalf and a lot of, um, you know, I mean, as far as as far as handmade, there's nothing equivalent to how good Etsy is. I think there's a lot of um, discussion about how they were this year with like pushing the free shipping and doing all the stuff that was annoying a lot of people. But um, but they're still like yeah. the number one handmade marketplace. There's no other, you know. Yeah, they're making some uh, decisions that are definitely controversial, I think, with their people who use their service, for sure. I've had a lot of discussions with people behind the scenes about Etsy this year, um, about some of that. And then I've also had some really um, 
great experiences. Like they did their design awards for the first yeah. time. Yeah. Like, oh my god, I noticed that. It was so amazing. Cool. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. All the time. Thank you. It was really fun. It was a cool. It was just cool to have like recognition. And yeah. Like being verified. Of, like I see verified. <laughs> in a way. Yeah, and there were so many people from Montreal who made it into the finals too, oh, yeah. which makes sense because it's such it's a very creative city. But it was just cool to see how many people from Montreal were represented and it was that's awesome it was fun I've made a few connections with other people I other makers I didn't know so it was was fun for sure yeah wait so did they have like a an in-person anything for it like a reception or anything like that or was it um they did but just for the winners I think so there were it was the first year they've done it so they said that they've got like tens of thousands of applicants Mm -hmm. and then they narrowed it down to finalists in like five different categories, I think. And then there was one winner from each category and then one overall winner. Okay. So the person who won, Oh, I don't remember her name. It's, um, it's like, it's this interactive wallpaper. It's so cool. (laughs) That's really really cool. Really innovative and really original. So yeah, but it was, it was so neat to see because Etsy is, uh, there's just so many talented people on it yeah. so it was just amazing to see all the the pieces that were selected and then the fact that I t- was chosen as a finalist was super flattering yeah it's so yeah. awesome and they really do honestly like their I feel like their selection and their um whoever the the jury board or whatever like I feel like they were really uh they have a really good eye um actually my one of my best friends Amanda from Dye Queen do you follow her she's uh she does like botanical yes. dyeing yeah. um we used to work together forever and um uh in the more corporate world or whatever but um yeah she was one of the finalists for for her botanical dye work so yeah I felt like they really they really have a discerning eye is what I'm trying to say so yeah and their their collections are nicely curated for yeah. sure so yeah Definitely. that was cool yeah. So, um, you are, I guess we're almost, we're over an hour now, but what do I want to ask you? So it's November now. We're almost at the end of the year. When you look back, and you might've already answered this. Anyway, I'll let you answer. Uh, when you look back at like your, this year and the work you've done, what do you feel you are most proud of? And conversely, where oh, wow. do you find you could have done better hmm that's a good question and it doesn't have to be like your work it can be like your your process or something you'd like to change about your process or yeah no totally I mean this year I did kind of just answer it but like this year I had some really cool I like I'm always just I'm so grateful that I get to do this I feel like I sometimes feel like maybe it's a, a finite thing. I don't know how long I'll be able to do this for. So every mm-hmm. moment that I get to do it, I'm very grateful. Do for you me, mean, it's do also. Do you mean like um, because of like health reasons or tr- trends in interior? It, like health reasons, trends, um, the fall of capitalism. Know. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. So the, wor- <laughs> the world is a really wild place right now. Yeah. So. Um, the fact that I get to, you know, I'm not just, and I, I mean it like not just making art to make art, but which I think we can always do, right. We can, there's always a place for art and art is very important, but, um, just to, that I get to make a living doing this too. Yeah, yeah. Always so grateful for. And, um, 
yeah, and I, I just got, I think, some recognition this year that was really cool for me because so much of what I do is working, like, you know, in my home studio by myself yeah. all day. And it's a bit of a vacuum or a bit of an echo chamber. So you really have to um, have a lot of faith in yourself and what you're doing and to be putting yourself out there all the time. But the the Etsy Awards were just a really cool opportunity. Yeah, and huge. Also, yeah, yeah, it was it was really special. And it, it that felt really good. And um, I was just this week featured in a holiday campaign for an art store chain here called Omar Desser. Oh, that's so cool. So I'm like a featured artist in their campaign. So it's like a whole, it's national and it's a media campaign. So it's all in their social media. All this stuff. So they, they asked me to be a part of it and I'm featured with other artists from Montreal. So that's so cool. Also just really cool recognition outside of my my little bubble because sometimes I really just feel like it's just me on my own in my head doing this and yeah so that was exciting um ways that I feel like I could do better or like things I'd like to strive towards in the future um you know I made that comment about really being intentional about what I'm doing so that's something I'm trying to kind of focus on spend some time thinking about really what my intent is as as an artist, as a maker, as somebody who's, you know, putting a product out into the world. I want to be really mindful of what I'm putting out into the world in terms of um, not only like my art and artistic process, but also just in terms of stuff Mm -hmm. and waste. And that's on my mind a lot. So I'm trying to sort of minimize the amount that I am putting out, putting out what's necessary, sort of refine refine what I'm doing. So I think that's something that's I'm going to carry into next year and continue thinking about. And I think it will also help me to have better sort of balance and flow in my work where I'm maybe not feeling so scattered all the time, trying to keep up with everything and just having more purpose and intentionality. So that's something I'm thinking about right now. Yeah. I love that. I know I am thinking about that as well. The waste idea and the sustainability of this kind of creating. And it's like, I feel like I just get myself into a hole when I think about it (laughs) and it feels slightly discouraging. Um, So can I ask you? Well, I mean, I don't think anyone knows better than I do, like the 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 pounds of cotton that arrive to my house and then go out. Um, and I have to think about like what what that means in terms of I mean, but there's so much to think about. Is that like are the are the people who are farming it getting paid enough? And are the people who are there's a whole line of production and agriculture and where this all ugh, all of it. And it feel it feels very overwhelming to think about because I'm like, oh, I'm here just a small business trying to like do best for my family and et cetera, right? Yeah. And so there's just it's hard because and then I've thought about like you know recycled fibers and things like that. So I've you know I have some of that, but um, there and and or and organic and things <laughs> things of that nature. But then there are so many things as ter- in in the way that things are produced now that would make like for example organic cotton is so expensive. I, it wouldn't be sustainable. I mean, it wouldn't be realistic to, it wouldn't be viable for me to have a business with organic cotton first yeah, of all, you I know, because um, you have to keep prices down and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's just something that's like in the back of my mind, but it feels extremely overwhelming to really tackle. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, I mean, it's something to put out there and definitely discuss. And as far as, you know, as far as the knowledge that we have that we can share, I don't know. Um, no, totally. And it, 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 I think it is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It you feels know, in, and in it. so many ways because of the way that our, our world works with fast fashion and fast toys and fast everything that like yeah. it feels insurmountable in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. I don't want to just throw my hands up and leave it there, but that's where I am right now, <laughs> you know, to be honest, you know. Yeah, um, but I, you know, I think like, I mean, I, I have no answers mm-hmm. because I, I feel the same way that you do. Yeah. But I think, you know, even just talking about it and putting it out there, um, especially as people, as people who have influence, like in the fiber community, anyways, you have a lot of influence. Everyone knows who you are and everyone who shops with you. So, right. it, you know, the products you carry or how you, um, source your materials d- does have influence. So don't, don't underestimate that either because yeah. you, you do have power to make change, you know, and it, it's the type of thing too, that I think it's not going to happen overnight and there's no easy answers, you know, but just the fact that if you're thinking about it and being reflexive and maybe starting conversations with your supplier or other folks involved, you know, like that's yeah. a starting point. Cause yeah, if definitely. you, if you think about the whole thing, it's, it's so overwhelming. It's too much, yeah. It's easy to get stuck. Right. Yeah. And I have to just, I know, I have to think about the things that I have, I personally have control over, like the one conversation I have with my supplier, you know, and that yeah. in, in that one one step, and then he, they can go do something, and then, you know, we can make it, make yeah. it real <laughs> later. But um, and in terms of cotton, like I'm seeing more and more co- recycled cotton mm-hmm. on the market. So it's definitely something that's in that's coming yeah. more and more I feel like yeah. so um but it's, uh, it's but the problem yeah, with it's re- important yeah the problem with recycled is that the energy usage is not necessarily less than what uh, you know than what um, in the first conventional place. is exactly so yeah. it's not necessarily better but I don't know I don't know um yeah yeah oh no I hear you I hear you on all of it it's it's really challenging. And it is, it's like you're one person, you're one small business, but you know, I'm of the mind that it's, you know, it's our, our choices and intentions matter too. So I'm not saying that like, I'm going to solve the the world's problems, but (laughs) I do want to think about my, my role in it, you know, at least, and at least try to be, um, just try to be as intentional and as purposeful as I can, yeah. you know, and yeah. it's a process too. Like it's not, it's not like overnight or an easy answer because yeah. there's a lot of fiber art out there right now. Right. It's really amazing to see how this has exploded in the last yeah, few years. Yeah. I'm a part of that. So I want to think about For sure. how I can. Yeah. And you know what? I, I can't help but think like, um, I don't know if I'm going to express this or articulate it the way I want to, but it's like every Every issue has an opposite issue. Like if you're an animal rights activist and you think wool is wrong, then you're going to use vegan wool, which is acrylic, which is chemically made, which is then not good for their – so like (laughs) everything – so it's like, you know, and when – you know, that that's like one example of what I mean. But it's the same thing as being like, well, okay, I'm I'm not going to – I'm going to make a choice to – only um to to not i guess to not buy any h&m clothing because it's all that fast fashion but then 
my, I don't know, my my furniture is from Ikea or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. But that, I'm saying like in that way, like it's like yeah, you just yeah. have to try to make these small decisions in your life, but there's always going to be an opposite, like quote unquote, ethically bad thing about it too, in a way. Yeah. So I think it's like we all just have to choose our our moral or ethical um, priority, right? Totally. And it's it's like, we're totally off on a tangent, but like <laughs> a lot of stuff around like environmental and like ecological awareness right now is really focused on consumption mm-hmm. and consumerism and how we consume, which is interesting because I, there's so much about that of like choices that we make as consumers and uh, Obviously, that's important, but you know the the conversation maybe need, needs to be not necessarily about what we're buying, but just that we need to buy less, right. you know, right? And just consumption as its as own, a as a thing, yeah, yeah, as a thing, it's its own thing. Because yeah, you can make different choices about where you're going to buy things, but it's also just the volume of which right. we buy things. And yeah, yeah, it's I I think about this stuff a lot, so. And again, I have no, I have no answers. It's just, but it's something that something I'm thinking about a lot. And I want to think about my place in that cycle. And it's that it's like, this is how I make a living right now by selling things and making art. So I'm trying to be more intentional. Like an example of that is also that this year I made less, um, I just made less stuff. I made less pieces and Mm -hmm. the pieces I made more of were often, commission pieces so they were pieces that were already bought by someone that had a home to go to so I was just trying to be more intentional about the volume of stuff because I could make stuff all day long and just be making things yeah (laughs) yeah 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 nowhere to go (laughs) that's part of it too so yeah (sighs) I find it it's hard it's really hard because there's also a certain joy that you get and just a piece of um, self as like a sense of self that you get from making, right? Which which then it's like, well, you can't take that away from yourself, you know what I mean? Or from other people no. too. And I don't want to take that away from anyone. No, I know. I know. I'm not saying you specifically, I'm yeah. just saying, but that's the idea is like, well, then what do we, yeah. What are the things that we, what are the things we sacrifice in our lives to yeah. offset our existence here, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And I'm, I'm such a firm believer too. And like, one of the reasons I sell like weaving looms and weaving supplies is because, well, there was a demand for it, but because I, I want to encourage people's creativity because I'm of the belief that if everybody had a creative practice, I think the world would be a better place. I think creativity brings a lot of joy and a lot of like peace and mindfulness and things that we need more of in the world. Yeah. So I'm and always trying to encourage people to to tap into their creativity. And sometimes you need to facilitate that with having stuff for them to be right. creative with. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what you do. And you do it so right. well. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. It's true. Thank you. Um, yeah, I know. We could, I feel like we could talk about it forever and it's it's hard to find a there's no there's no easy answer to it all, but yeah. Um, no, there's not. I like. I'm glad we talked about it though. I yeah, think it's me good too. Just, like, it's like put it out there and yeah. and talk about it because yeah. There's also something. I guess we'll, we can talk about. I don't talk about it a lot on here, but I don't know. I guess I'm curious your perspective on it, and I find that my my perspective on okay, I'll say, copying right. So like. 
I knew this is what you I wasn't even, the thing is, I never bring it up. I never bring it up, but it's been weighing on me a lot lately because, okay, when I was strictly making and not supplying, um, not supplying fibers, I definitely had a stronger opinion about it. But it was more like I really felt strongly about people straight up not for not copying my giant pieces, okay? Because that's like a Mm -hmm. super blatant, blatant (laughs) like reproduction of of work that I felt was like really unique to me. Yes, of course. However, I'm seeing a lot of conversations out there that are like, I don't know. I don't even know what to think of it. So I, but now I take, I've taken a step back from that. I know, and I still feel, no, I still feel that's like super fucking blatantly wrong. Okay. Um, but be, as a supplier and as someone who wants to inspire people and also give everyone the freedom and the, the, you know, the ability to create and feel confident in, 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 um, in their experimentation, I feel like there's overlap often that's going to happen you know, with people's work. Um, just as people learn, they're gonna cop they're gonna copy a little bit to learn how to do something and then hopefully it develops later into something that's their own. Um I think that's all I'm gonna say about it for now. Let me ask you and yeah. put it to you. What do you think? In the hot seat. Yeah. <laughs> this is a controversial topic. It's very controversial. That I see in our our social media circles gets a lot of currency. I also don't really engage with this topic very much. I don't talk about it. Um, I have thoughts and opinions about it, but they're definitely not the strongest ones out there. I, you know, I feel like right now the fiber art community anyways has a lot of like, it's like visual currency on like Instagram, on Pinterest, So people are looking at your art all the time and Mm -hmm. are finding inspiration from it and are directly being inspired to the point where there is a lot of copying. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm not even speaking about my own work. I just, when I do look, I just am constantly seeing work that is very directly referencing original work by other artists. Mm -hmm. This happens a lot. There's a couple people who are being copied <laughs> way more than anyone else. They yes. know who they are. Um, yeah, we don't have to name any names. <laughs> Everybody and knows. I, yeah, and part of me is like, I feel like it's sort of human nature. Like if someone has an idea that's really successful, other people want to get in on it. I don't mm-hmm. know that folks are thinking too much about the ethics of what that actually means. Um, I think especially in a more like maker artisan space versus like a fine art space the the topic of like directly plagiarizing somebody doesn't really come up a lot Mm -hmm. which is interesting um and for sure I think people are going to be inspired by others when they're learning or they're wanting to try new techniques and especially when you're talking about things like fiber art so like macrame and weaving like we're all using the same techniques all the time you know right it's just finding your own spin on it um so I think that's totally great I think it's great to look to artists that you're inspired by and that you admire um or you want to try techniques that they use or learn techniques it's when people turn around and start selling work as their own that I think it becomes 
problematic. Yeah. But yeah, I use I mean, I used to say and I think I still really very much believe this is that you everyone is going to be inspired by someone else. And so if you feel you have to post it, because a lot of this just has to do with social media, if you're selling in your own hometown at your at your church market. Yeah, go ahead. You know, I don't know. Go ahead. But like, I feel like a lot of this is social media. So it's like, if you feel the need to post it, then I think it's really good etiquette to just say like, I was really inspired by this person. Um, or even message them and say, I was really inspired by you. Do you mind if I, you know, post it or whatever? Yeah. But give credit in in some way. Publicly, you could give credit. And maybe it doesn't have to be like every single... My, my assumption is that there's going to be that one piece that's really, 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 really similar to someone else's. Then you got to say like who inspired it. And then after that, veer, like develop, grow, make your work, then your own, yeah. not just constantly following literally in like step-by-step step in someone else's footsteps, you know? Because I've yeah, seen that I mean, sometimes I too. I agree with you. Yeah. And like, I don't, I, I've talked about this with some other folks is that I, I spend a lot of time on Instagram, but I don't actually spend a lot of time like scrolling my mm-hmm. feed. I spend time sort of on my own content. Um, and I don't follow a lot of fiber artists. I follow people that I've been like friends with since yeah. the beginning that yeah. I actually have relationships with, but I don't follow a lot of fiber artists. And it's not that I don't want to be supportive to people in my community. It's that I don't want to be bombarded with visual imagery of other people's work because even if you are like you are taking that all in whether or not you realize it like it's going into your subconscious it's leaking into your brain so when you have an idea and you're like oh I have this great idea the chances are it's actually referencing something you've already seen Mm -hmm. could be pretty high if you're spending a lot of time looking at other people's work so Um, I mean, I'm not perfect. I think we are all inspired by each other. And I think it's hard to have like completely original (laughs) ideas all the time. But I definitely make it a point to not to not spend a lot of time on Instagram. And I look for inspiration elsewhere, like we were talking about, like I have other sources of inspiration. And I try to make stuff that's, that's, that's me, I want to have my own voice as an artist, I don't, I don't want to make work like others. But there, it, there's definitely a proliferation of it, of it right now. So, yeah, I have, I have mixed feelings about it. So part of me just thinks like it's going to happen no matter what you do. Yeah, yeah. Like you that's kind that. of the game we're in now. I mean, with, with yeah. digital and social media and and Google and Pinterest and all those things, it's just mm-hmm. in a way I kind of feel like it is what it is. But um, yeah, because yeah. it is. And I think, but, and the I other mean, thing is, I think that. Uh, the person who is directly copying, I mean like really step by step, like literally making no changes to a piece, um, they know in their heart. <laughs> they really know in their heart when they're posting it that it's not their work, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, and my hope, and I give, I really like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I really think that they, that it, that it's like a one-time <laughs> A one-time deal and then they start to f- figure it out and they figure out their voice and I don't know I don't know if that's true but I kind of it's like the way I like to think of it that it's like a one like a one-time overlap you know in the process of yeah learning. but I don't know I don't know and we're living in this age too where it's like you're being you're being measured by your your level of visibility and productivity all the time, right? Yeah. So if you're on Instagram, it's like, oh, I need something new to post every day. So there's this pressure to 
to make things. And it's like, what if you just unplugged from everything and just made things yeah. alone in your studio for months at a time without, you know, right. like what, what without would, needing the social media validation for it? It would be so interesting to see, you know, yeah. and like, that's something I would like to do more of next year, too, is give myself more time to work on pieces and have a slower process around some things because um, I think really exciting things can like percolate and develop when you you give yourself that that time yeah, to really 100%. engage with the process. So, but yeah, it's it's definitely not the not what's happening right now. Yeah. But I would yeah. like to see more slow slow making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. totally agree. Um, okay. We've been talking for like an hour and a half. So I'm going to just end on one thing, <laughs> one question. What yeah. is something completely non-art or fiber? Oh, shoot. You know what? I also wanted to talk about, if you were willing, your fibromyalgia. I, this is like yeah, I didn't totally. realize. Yeah, I didn't realize that, um, you know, you were suffering with this. And as a maker, that's like a really big thing to have to deal with. Um how, what what is it like for you and, and when did it come about and when did it start and oh I'll talk about it in a nutshell okay try well I've been I've had symptoms for about 12 years now so if anybody doesn't know fibromyalgia is a condition um they don't really know what causes it it's not it's not autoimmune it's neurological but it mimics a lot of autoimmune disorders. So I have chronic pain. I have pain in my body all the time. I have flare-ups where it gets much worse. And I have days where I'm really functional, but I always have a baseline of pain all the time. Um, I also get tired really easily. So sometimes, you know, just doing one outing in a day will totally wipe Mm. me out. I won't have energy to do a lot of things in a day. So I really, this is part of why I compartmentalize my life and my time is managed so precisely. I've kind of had to learn to do this. And um, so yeah, it's pain, fatigue. I have some like cognitive issues. I have brain fog. It makes me kind of slow. I have a hard time speaking or formulating thoughts on certain days. Um, at this point I'm, I manage it really well, mostly with like lifestyle and diet. I do some alternative therapies too. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's not a nice thing to live with. No, I know. I would think not, especially (laughs) as someone who's constantly, I mean, you really need to be like using your body all the time too. Um, yeah, it's like, it's funny, because I started doing this because like I said, I couldn't really work a full time job anymore. Mm-hmm. I like I wasn't able to. So starting this business for me was a means to support myself. So I, I love what I do. I love running my business. And I actually probably work harder now doing this than any other job I've had. But I work for myself, mm-hmm. which is better for me, I control my schedule, I control my workload. Um, if I need to rest during the day, I can. I work from home. It also gives me a lot more flexibility with like my parenting and with my kids, which is really important to me. But um, yeah, like this is not a hobby for me. This is fully how I support myself financially. Um, So it's been, it's been like, it's, it's a, it's a hard thing to live with, but it's also really forced me to make a lot of changes in my life for the better. Um, Cause I really had to, slow down and take care of myself in a lot of ways that I wasn't before something else I don't talk about a lot but I'll mention here is I've been sober for five years too so that was a big piece of it congratulations that's huge thank you 
so that's like another thing and like having my kids really like you know, I, I want to be my best for them. So yeah. I really had to just sort of slow down, learn how to take care of myself. Um, so weaving and having a, a studio art practice at home has been amazing. But something that's kind of caught up to me this year is how hard it is on my body, because I actually didn't really r- realize, I think, how much mm-hmm. it was impacting my physical body. So this year, I've um, been taking some steps to sort of manage that. So I found this amazing athletic massage therapist and she's taking really good care of me and I have an amazing osteopath. So I have, I have a couple of really great like bodywork folks that, that work with me and help. But yeah, I have to spend a lot of time just like cooking and resting. Yeah. I get like eight hours of sleep a night without fail. I'm very, that's so good. That's (laughs) like so important. Yeah. 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 Uh, what do you find to be like the alternative therapies, like the most um, effective and useful for you? Well, like accessing uh, practitioners like that, like a massage therapist, an osteopath. Um, I've been trying to go to the gym regularly too, mm-hmm. which makes a huge impact on how I feel. Um, yeah. And for me, a lot of it is like what I eat. So mm-hmm. I have to really be mindful of the type of food. I was going to say, are you, glu- are you gluten free? I need to be gluten free. I need to be sugar free. Yeah. I need to be dairy free. So there's a. I have a lot of restrictions around things that I, I do eat sometimes, but I don't feel good when I eat them, yeah. and I really see the direct impact that it has on how I feel. So right. it does sound so similar to autoimmune. I didn't realize it, it was it neuro- neurological. It sounds like celiac yeah. and like those kinds of things. My my sister is like gluten intolerant, and she ever since she quit gluten, she like she used to be achy all the time. And yeah, brain, brain yeah, fog. Yeah, it can have a very similar yeah, impact. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And she yeah. said that like she, ever since she uh, she went gluten for like five years ago and um, her her body just feels better in general. But Yeah, I say neurological because there's no, there's no physiological reason for the pain that right. you experience. Right. But it is – it's it's all – It's all connected. It's, it's all connected. It's very, you have to have a very holistic approach yeah. to your health when you have um, – an illness like this, but I'm, I'm super happy. I don't, I don't talk about it all the time, but I'm super open to talking about it. And whenever I do talk about it in like public space, especially on my Instagram account, I always get lots of messages from folks who also have chronic illness. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, like a lot of people out I'm there. super happy to talk about it. And, you know, I, I identify as somebody who has a disability, but I come across as a very able-bodied person. I, I understand yeah, yeah. that behind the scenes, it's not always the that is the right, case for right. sure. Yeah. I mean, I can't. This is um so going to go off into on a tangent, but uh, I so think so much of it is the way that we are farming. I'm serious because I just heard this podcast recently yeah. um on Rob Bell's podcast. You ever listen to Rob Bell? He's like a spiritual. No. He's sort of like a spiritual leader, or whatever. But he has interviewed this guy who has been. He's basically like devoted his life to um, organic farming research, and like the basically the plow, the plow mm-hmm. and obviously Roundup and Monsanto have completely um, – it's messed up our food production. Into, and I think we know it. We all know this kind of on a basic level. But the fact that the plow goes down and um, uh, disrupts the whole like whatever the, 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 the system that's under the soil has completely yeah. affected the nutritional value of our food. So, oh, yeah, and like, then the way yeah, we digest right. our own gut biomes and all that, because they're supposed to mirror each other. Like what's in the soil and what is in our body, you're supposed to sort of work in harmony. Yep. And it's, it's all fucked right now. Yep. <laughs> um, 
And I, yeah. Anyway, that was my weird tangent, but, um, uh yeah it's not weird it's totally yeah. true and yeah. i'm totally into talking about this stuff i, know. I don't know how much <laughs> i know i know and you have to pick, go clear, you have to, i know you have to pick up your kid in a second but um uh i'll mention briefly also that the this podcast was born out of my sort of sobriety journey so congrats to you i'm not yeah I, i'm on and off so i'll go like months without drinking and then i'll go and then I'll like fall back in and have and then like do like a month where it's like it creeps in and there's like a daily glass of wine. And then right now I'm on three months. No drinks. So, yeah, Good working on you. it. Working on it. Thanks. That's a whole thing. And it's it's something I, I don't talk about. I still I it's don't really, really either. This is my first about. time saying it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, that's very meaningful. Thank you for yeah, sharing that with me. Because it's a hard, it's a hard thing to talk about, and it's a hard thing to be out about. Because I think it's very taboo, and it's a little stigmatizing it, to be. It is, but it's also. I think it's less so now. But maybe it's because I've seen so. I'm I am so into the resources that have been like the modern yeah. day resources of sobriety, and that yeah. it's all also yeah. kind of becoming cool. Um, but uh, That's yeah, I think how it's, I got sober was like surrounding myself with podcasts yes. and books. Did and you listen to the home? I never went to meetings. I love home, home was my like gateway. Yes. Yeah, like Holly and Laura. Yes. Oh my They're God, amazing. that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. They're great. So, they both have books coming out this year too, right? Eh? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, I Holly's like, I pre-ordered, I, I pre-ordered Laura's. But um, Oh, amazing. Yeah. Uh, actually, Home Podcast is where I first was introduced to Rob Bell, who I was just mentioning, the spiritual leader guy. Because right. um, anyway, that's yeah. So then it's it brought me down this whole path of like you know great people, good information, healthy living, and um, yeah, it's interesting because for yeah. me it was like I never thought drink my drinking was like it's not it's never been prob- like super problematic. It's just that um, uh, it just it creeps in and becomes a daily habit. And I was like, wait, this is weird. And then when I wanted to stop doing, that, I was like, wait, why is this hard? Why is it hard yeah. to not have wine every night? This is weird. And then I was like, oh shit, I kind of have a problem, <laughs> you know. And then, yeah. and then it was like, and then I really opened my eyes to a whole lot of stuff you have to unearth when you quit drinking. But um, well, that's that. it. And I think, yeah, the the reasons people drink and like our whole model for understanding, like quote unquote, like alcoholism. I, I don't, I don't really like that word, but um. No, it, it comes from a particular model that is a bit outdated and isn't reflective of people's current realities or why people drink or why they yeah, use. Yeah. So, well, um, our whole society cool is all this- is like, oh, yeah, yeah, like the mom drinking thing is like. I mean, it's it's so <laughs> pervasive. Like, I have a lot. That's mommy a juice. Podcast. They need my mommy yeah. juice. It's like, oh shit. It's so it's so ingrained and indoctrinated. So. Anyway, yeah. I'm sure we can talk about this offline yeah. a lot more. That's like a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah, but that's so cool. And congrats to you. And uh, I have you too. It was Five really years. Hard for that's me amazing. Oh, I have absolutely no regrets. Yeah, and I'm so much happier without it. Really, yeah. like it's and it's. It, I've had to like change a lot of things in my life, but for the better. Like it's just made me a better person. And yeah, I'm so much more comfortable in my own skin. Don't now. you it's sleep amazing. way better now? Oh, everything. My, my sleep my... was so bad. And I think that's actually my biggest catalyst for my needing to stop drinking is like I couldn't sleep anymore, like at all. Yeah. Sleep, so, anxiety, yeah. anxiety. It, it makes your like... anxiety so much worse. And everyone thinks so like, bad. oh, just have a glass of wine. You're going to be better. That that shit makes it so much worse. Yeah. 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 
it's like that Laura is not says, your like, fix fuel on the fire it's yes. not good yeah yeah totally. i love that girl she's she's amazing i was like yes. i was supporting her patreon and everything for a while but um anyway That's jen awesome. jen <laughs> it was such a pleasure to talk to you i'm gonna you let you too. go because you're gonna need to pick up your kid but um yeah just thank I you so much minutes, okay <laughs> thank you so much tell people where they can find you um Oh, Etsy, Etsy and Nova, Nova Mercury. You can find me at Etsy, Nova Mercury, or on my Instagram page, which is also Nova Mercury. And probably within and the next two weeks, NovaMercury.com. I'm going to have a website <laughs> so soon with Cindy as my accountability buddy who's going <laughs> to... I am seriously going to check in on you, girl. This is not okay. No, I need it. Coming soon. Coming soon. Yeah. But seriously, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking Same to you. Same here. And- you're so you're so awesome in all the ways and I'm really glad Aww, that we got thanks. to chat. Thank, Thank you, you for asking me to do this. Of course. Anytime. <laughs> I'm here. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, bye, buddy. Bye. Don't go, don't go, don't go. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh my God. I seriously wish we were closer so we could just freaking meet up for coffee or whatever. Oh, I know. Hang out I with see. our kids. I didn't realize we had this much in common, really. I have so many like friends like this where I like know them on Instagram and I'm like, why do we not live in the same area? Like I know. all these long distance friends. Well, you're not too far. I know. It's true. That's true. It's road trip. I know. And actually, I've One never day. been to Montreal and I really, really would like to visit. I heard it's so beautiful. Oh, it's such a great city. Yeah. How old are your kiddos? They're young too. Uh, six and seven now. Oh. Six and seven and a half. Yeah, they're getting big. Yeah, you should come uh... – there's always like lots of festivals and stuff happening here too. So if you ever came at a time when there's stuff going on in the city. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, it's a beautiful city. Yeah. We'd love Amazing. to. I know. Or my, my husband and I are like due for a trip. Come with your husband. Exactly. Yeah, I was, was going to say without kids. <laughs> it's a very yeah. romantic. You could do lots of nice stuff. We have like amazing, amazing everything. I really think it's one of the best cities in the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like a destination. I'm a bit spoiled living here, but. Yeah. Do you think you're going to be there for like a good long time? I think so. We're like pretty settled here. We have no family here, which is the only hard part. Like Brian's family is all in Toronto and sometimes Um, we think about moving there, but the vibe in Toronto is just so different. Different. Yeah. I I went there a bunch as a kid. I went to Toronto a bunch as a kid, but just to visit because I'm from Michigan. So we would always drive over um, like when we had family visiting or whatever. Um, Toronto's great. It's just like, it's like much more like a metropolitan, big, busy city. Mm -hmm. It's much bigger too. Montreal is like, because of the French, like it's sort of, we don't have as big of a population because you have to speak French to live here. So it's like who lives here. So, um, and it just has this kind of like super slacker laid back artist cultural mindset like so the pace of life here is like kind of slower than anywhere else yeah did you know French already when yeah I did and then um I didn't speak it like a lot for a few years like in my 20s and then when I moved here because I was working retail a lot I I was speaking all day every day so I just yeah so I speak French fluently which you pretty much need to if you're gonna like Brian doesn't speak French so great, which is funny because he's a oh, Montrealer. Really? He was like yeah. born and raised here. But oh, in the really? West How Island, is that possible? Yeah. 
that he didn't like, learn oh, it. Anglophone communities where people just don't speak French at all. Oh, so wow. he speaks it, but not great. But for him, his work is, he has like limited options, but he has a really great job that he loves. So yeah. he's like, got his niche. Yeah. Is he sober yeah. as well? I would assume, is he sober? Yeah. In the music industry. Is that like impossible? <laughs> He is, he's not sober, but he's not a drinker. Yeah. Same, like same he, with my husband. He doesn't drink at all. Um, and then when he does drink, he'll have like a beer and has no interest in same. drinking more than that. I really like. I don't I, know who people, I, I wish that were me. I would so love if I could just enjoy one and not have to have four. Well, I don't have an off switch. I don't either. That, that's exactly the problem. Yeah. And I grew up in a family of people who don't have off switches and my whole like extended family drinks. So it's really something I was around a lot as a kid. It was very normalized for me, you know, like I was just always around alcohol. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that my kids are growing up not being around it at all, Yeah. which I really like. I like that they don't, it's not in our house. They don't see it. Brian's family doesn't drink at all. No one in his family drinks. They're not drinkers. So it's just like my parents. And even then, since I stopped, I think my mom got a little like, maybe I should cut back. So she's like more careful. But my dad is a very heavy drinker and has like a a problematic relationship to alcohol, which I had for a really long time. Yeah. I know. I yeah, did too, and I didn't realize it because I thought it was court kind of normal because everybody here drinks a lot. But then, like, it was like after having kids and stuff, I would like check in with friends. I'm like, yeah, I'm having it, you know, wine every day. And they're like, what? Every day? And I'm like, yeah, aren't you? Like, I totally yeah. thought it was normal. And then they're like, no, maybe like, um, you know, Friday night. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I'm having like three glasses of wine a night, you know, and then we'll turn yeah. into four. And it will sometimes turn into five and then like, you know. Um, that was me too, for yeah. sure. Especially like, was, right. It was like wine. As soon as I started cooking dinner, wine. it was like yes. nine o'clock. It's like those it triggers. Like all night till I went to bed every yep. night. Yep. Same. And it got worse when I, I had was, kids because then I was like, I deserve it. I deserve it. It's five o'clock. Like I've had this whole day with them, you know. Don't you find it's also like, because when you're younger, you're out, you're like going to bars, you're partying, you're yeah, social. social. So drinking is like super normalized. But then when it's like you become a parent, you're kind of trapped in your house all the time. You're not going out. And then you're yeah. like drinking by yourself. By yourself and yeah. you're like, no, my, my. That was me. Totally. And, and this lifestyle too, for, for both of yeah. us. Like just, yeah, it was like mine got worse when I moved to the country and literally was not seeing anyone. Yeah. And I was just like every night, you know. Yeah. Ugh, no, for crazy. sure. And it's a hard thing to like, it felt so scary to let go of because mm-hmm. it was for me, it was my coping mechanism. So a big part for me too, is when I stopped drinking, because I didn't want to go to meetings, I surrounded myself with all this like online support. So like podcasts, audio books, but I went to therapy, I started seeing a therapist. And That's I like good. talked about it in that space. And it was like, good, because I've just unpacked so much yeah I thought about so going I looked shit. I researched because I was yeah I was like what is all this why am I like why it literally uh, opens a whole can of worms that you're like like I I really thought it did not it wasn't I didn't think it was a coping mechanism I just thought it was normal yeah um, and then I realized I was like oh I have this whole host of things that I need to deal with yeah yeah it's crazy well if you can swing therapy it's 
and find a therapist that you like. Yeah. It's, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. I think everyone should be in therapy if they can. It's expensive and hard to do, but it's so good to just yeah. have a space that's like you can be so self-absorbed and you just talk about yourself for an hour and you can just talk about all your own problems and you can be so candid about everything. There just yeah. aren't a lot of contexts in life where you get to do that. And it's, it's true. Like completely really, unfiltered. Yeah. Cause you filter. I mean, I think we all filter every conversation, even with best friends. It's like, yeah, you're not going to share all the shit, you know? No. And if you can really just like let it out with a therapist and like have that space, I think especially as parents, when you spend so much of your time, like taking care of other people, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to find time to like really take care of yourself and yeah. to be like, need to do this. But uh, I really wish you like all the best Thank you. in your journey. And if you ever need like a buddy to talk to about it, I'm totally Thank you. I'm there for you because it's hard. It and is it's really like hard. all my friends drink. Like yeah, so mine too. Yeah. I feel okay. Like when I'm in my routine, I'm fine. Like these last three months have been super easy, like really fine. But then I, I worry a little about Christmas. Like my family doesn't drink that much either though. It's just I feel like like I have to travel with them, which feels stressful. And I'm like, I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna want. We're going to Vegas for Christmas. I'm like, I'm gonna think I'm gonna want like a drink, but for me, oh, it's, yeah. it's like, yeah, I can't just have one. And then if I have three, I'm okay with three. Actually, <laughs> three is okay. Yeah. But um, then I can't sleep, and then I've ruined, and then I'm super depressed the next day because oh, not wow. sleeping sucks. And like you're, you know, it puts you in a state of mind that is not healthy anyway. Plus. Yeah, yeah, it puts me in a really bad place. But um, whatever, I'll, I'll figure. Do you it think out. you could go and not drink? I hope that's what I'm hoping. I'm sorry, I have to pee so bad right now. But, um, oh my God. <laughs> um, let you go. Okay, I have to go pick up my kid anyway. Okay, yeah, I know. It was such a pleasure, Jen. Thank you so it much. It was so good talking to you. It really was. <laughs> you too. We'll talk I know. To you. And okay. um, so I'll follow up with you about the Vegas thing. I'm okay. gonna do my website. Okay. Okay. Do it. You take care, Susie. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye. Check the show notes of each episode to get the website and Instagram for each of the fiber artists I speak with. Be sure to give them a follow. And you can view video from this podcast on naromastudio.com slash the fiber artist podcast. If you enjoy the fiber artist podcast, go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you for listening.